Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Roll for Persuasion, your show where I chat with people that I think are cool so I can show you how cool they are to me and why I think they're awesome and why you think should think that they're awesome. Um, I get to talk with just some of the, the most nifty people in a variety of like arenas and spaces, and I have one of those fantastic people with me today, and I'm super excited to talk with him. But before I do, as you know if you've listened to the show, it is brought to you by my fantastic friends at Hero Forge. If you play tabletop games, and you should, uh, Hero Forge is a great place to get your custom miniatures of literally any kind. Um, a, an innumerable amount of options and customizations and tweaks and whatnot you can do to make the little miniature figure of your dreams or figures by one, by five, by 20. I have too many, but you can't have too many. So you can go to heroforge.com and literally build uh, whatever you have in mind for your game just for fun. My kid likes to get on there with me and just make up ridiculous little D&D characters. So it's a great time. You can get them printed in color. If you don't want to paint, uh, they come right to your door. They are truly fantastic and, and I think a staple in any tabletop gamer's uh, you know, back pocket. So keep that in mind. Go to HeroForge.com. Thank you to them for supporting this show and for uh, making great stuff that we can use to play our great games. As I mentioned, very exciting person with me today. I have followed his online career or persona for a, a couple of years now, just kind of watching as he continues to do cool and awesome and, and interesting and off the wall stuff in the space, uh, genuinely inspiring with his his drive and willingness to go and just do cool things. I'm so excited to be talking with Chef Mike Harris today, an R&D chef and all around nerd person. Uh, Mike, what's going on? Can I call you Mike or do I have to? Do I need to say chef every time? You don't have to call me chef unless you want to. It's totally yes, up chef. to you. Uh, but I do happen to have a chef hat wearing mini that I bought from your sponsor today that I've, I use in my uh, I play in a 3.5 edition and I Ooh. DM a 5E edition, uh, edition. So in my 3.5 game, I got a little uh, chef hat wearing paladin that kind of looks like me. That is fantastic. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as anyone knows who follows uh, Mike, who's at Mike underscore Harris and all, as you said, it's a very Polish spelling. So we'll put it in yes. the show notes so people can find you. <laughs> it's just Harris. That's all you got to say. I get you're going to say it wrong. It's cool, too. But <laughs> I just go with Harris. And it's not it's not your fault that. We decided that you pronounce it Harris. It's not spelled that way. So how would you know any better? So so it's all good. You can uh, you can Google around and find it. But like I said, the links are going to be in the show notes. But you you do. I mean, everything. You were the um, former McDonald's corporate chef. You you do some awesome cooking stuff on your YouTube. You play tabletop games. You're nerdy. Where? I mean, let's dive right into it. Like, where did that come from? This like wonderful like confluence of all of these different nerdy obsessions. Well, uh, I knew I was one of those kids that grew up wanting to be a chef, so I always cooked and everything with mom and all that. And I went uh, as soon as I could take like home ec classes in junior high, I was already all in. But I am of a certain age. I am going to be 38 in March, but I grew up. Uh, I initially played the Odyssey system, but then I think I was four when I got a Nintendo. And video games were always a part of my life and still is to this day. Uh, at the same time, my introduction to D&D specifically was Hero Quest. Mm, yeah. So my brother, my father, uh, my dad was a big Hobbit fan. Um, so he liked fantasy stuff. So we got into playing that. That's when we got a taste. Uh, and then as my culinary career, I started working. At the same time in junior high, I started playing D&D with my brother and his friends um, you know, been, been doing the gaming stuff, doing all that, went to school for culinary arts, 
quickly learned in culinary school that I did not want to open up my own restaurant. The amount of hours, the uh, how stressful it is, the chance of success is very low. It's it, you know I spent many years in restaurants cooking and all that, but being the man at one restaurant, not yeah. for me. Also, what I tell people, which is kind of true, is I play guitar. I see guitars hanging in the background of yours. Um, and I wanted to be in a metal band when I graduated college. Nights, weekends, and holidays are show nights. You right, know what I mean? Right. I have to be in the front ripping solos, squealing, melting faces. I can't be in the back cooking. So I fell into this R&D uh, product development chef world. Um, I have a degree in culinary nutrition. So also I could have been a registered dietitian with the same uh, education, but I just would have to do clinicals to get uh, to be a registered sure. dietitian. Once again, did not interest me at all. Uh, great to know, but that was just not my thing. So then I went down this R&D path where it is a statistical probability you have eaten something I have developed. Because for years and years, I've been creating things for supermarkets, chain restaurants, hospitals, schools, the military, like prepared foods, prepared sauces, dried stuff, beverage, like stuff you wouldn't even read, like the cheapest macaroni salad you could buy at Walmart. I helped develop that at a time and they bought it from us. So uh, I have done stuff like that for a long, long time. Uh, Then I finally got a gig at McDonald's where I was the manager of culinary innovation for the U.S. menu, which is a very fancy title for it was my job to come up with the cool new stuff that go in the restaurants only in the United States. Did you make the salad in a shaker? I did not. That was before before my time. Uh, Stuff I did were bringing back the buttermilk crispy tenders, glazed buttermilk tenders, three sizes of the Big Mac. Uh, there was some sriracha sauce. I am the person who got the Rick and Morty Szechuan sauce back in the restaurant. That was going to be the next question. Yeah, that one was me. Uh, I take full responsibility for. I'll tell you. Want the story? Go for it. Yeah, because I can. I can. I'll take up all your time if you want me just to this talk. This show is all. Hey, if if people did not talk <laughs> on the show, it would be a really shitty show. Okay. So that's what you're here for. All right, I'm making sure that I'm just not taking over. Um, Drive away. But basically. McDonald's gave away 10,000 bottles of Big Mac sauce as a promotion. Went over great. Then on, uh, I forget what the date was, Rick and Morty aired and called out McDonald's for Szechuan sauce. An owner of a restaurant who was on Twitter too was, tweeted at me publicly and said, hey, we gave away these this Big Mac sauce. We should, we should give the people what they want, bring back Szechuan sauce. Now, I'm media trained by the best. So I know, especially as just an R&D chef, a cog in the machine, I'm not supposed to publicly say anything. <laughs> I know that. But yeah, I was like, you know what? I love the show. This could be a cool internet thing to do. So I decided to reply, uh, reply publicly saying, I'll see what I can do. All right. That's all yeah. I said. I'll see what I can do. Hours later, thousands of retweets later, the media says, a McDonald's chef says he is bringing back Szechuan sauce. (laughs) I did not at all ever say those words. So that started going, just blew up and went viral. At the same time, I brought my phone and laptop to HR and was like, I did not say that. Uh, You know, my bad. 
one thing led to another that led to the whole Szechuan sauce story, and we know how that ended. Basically, the less involvement the younger folks at McDonald's had and the more involvement the older people had, it just went downhill uh, pretty quick. So so there was that. Yeah. Left left there, worked in the industry a little while longer, and then Wendy's, uh, we kind of had a mutual connection on the internet. Wendy's was like, hey, you want to be in a whole big social media campaign? And I was like, yes. Yes, I do. Because while also at McDonald's trying to capitalize on the following, knowing that I work for a big brand, um, like I said, I was media trained, so I did get to do a lot of the PR promotion, wheeling and right. dealing and talking and stuff. At the same time, I tried to convince McDonald's to get into gaming, uh, specifically Critical Role. Right at the end of season one, yeah. I had executives at Geek and Sundry's office saying, we need to invest in this game because it's going to blow up. Not only was I told tabletop RPGs, like, never going to happen. They were like, video games? No, we want nothing to do yeah. with it. Okay. So then I was like, use me in the social capacity. I'm doing the internet. I'm representing your brand. They're like, no. Nah. You could do that, but we don't do it to your own thing. Okay. Fast forward to Wendy's reaching out saying, hey, can we use, use you in a social media right. campaign? Yeah, this is golden. Yeah. A golden marketing opportunity. So uh, a former McDonald's chef res uh, reviews Wendy's new breakfast. Oh, this is great. Make it a whole thing. It went over so well. It was a national commercial. So it launched. Yeah, I remember it on TV. So that was awesome. At the same time, this is not proven. I've heard gossip that because my involvement with that, I had a new job after McDonald's. Uh, the president of the company and my former boss at McDonald's used to work together mm. and apparently called up, complained, whatever. So the beginning of March 2020, not the middle, not the end of March 2020, the beginning I got pulled into an HR and said, this is, you know, you've only been here for five months. We are going to do a separation uh, of our contract with you, or we, you know, whatever. So there might have been some influence there. It was the next day that Wendy's was like, oh, can we turn this into a commercial? Because then they pay sag after right. rates for it. And I was like, yes, that could not have worked out more perfect. It's like, thank you, universe. Right. So then at that time, because the social media thing was happening, I was like, awesome. I was ready to fly out to the 100 Thieves compound to film content. I was ready to fly out to G Fuel at that time to start getting things going. I had all these plans ready to rock right. the beginning of March 2020. But what happens two weeks later, not only is me finding a new full-time job out of the question for the foreseeable future, which I am still actively interviewing as we speak, Everything I was going to fly out to, everything I had booked, the momentum of being in a commercial just yeah. disappeared. Just the perfect, absolute perfect timing for it all to go down. So quickly, I had to, all right, finding a new job is going to be rough because everyone's getting, you know, downsized. I need to make that cash money. So how about I try to capitalize on my internet stuff by starting a YouTube page, really hitting social media making content regularly, reaching out to brands, building my audience and all that stuff. So out of necessity, I had to con just turn into a content creator, social media person. And luckily, once again, because of how I leveraged where I've worked, 
how I represent myself as an individual online. Um, you know, brands, I started working with a variety of brands for paid gigs, paid content, always been a fan of Dungeons and Dragons. You know, a lot of the relationships I got to was when you work for that, that big, huge brand, everybody's like, oh, cool, we'll work with you. So that way we can, you know, they don't want me. They want the name that I work for. Exactly. Then once that all goes away and it's just me, some of those opportunities leave, but I already built some relationships. So it was all right, we, we know how you operate. We could work with you too. So started working with brands, doing all that stuff. And then that leads us to today where I do internet things. I work with brands. Uh, I just, you know, got that G Fuel like all the gamer kids got to get. Uh, working on some other brands, even weird stuff like golf. I, I'm very bad at golf, but I have a golf, uh, golf club sponsorship, which blows my mind. That that is uh, basically just trying to get paid to do things I love at this point, which is magical. Well, and, and, and you said like when, you know, mid-March hit and all of our all of our great plans came to a stop. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely familiar. I cannot stress how bad of timing it was to get separated from a gig, which means yeah. when I have to share my resume with people and tell them, uh, no, this was not a COVID related thing this was a mutual separation whatever it is just a disaster for uh for the old resume well you said you said your thought was like to to naturally you know you pivot to like capitalizing on content and you know starting that whole thing and you use the word naturally which which i would say um i don't know that a lot of people would in the face of that like I mean, massive frustration, fear, like whatever comes with that, like having the rug pulled out, say, you know what, I'm going to double down on me and I'm just going to drive and get it done. That, that is that is more rare, I think, I mean, natural for you, perhaps. But I think a lot of people would have struggled um, and said, you know, I'm just going to like shut it down and figure it out or go work at the drive through or whatever. There was a lot of that. Um, although the series of events was not where I wanted to be, there were things in place that certainly helped me out. When I said that, Wendy's was like, we want to turn this into a commercial that pays much better than all the other stuff I did. So right at the beginning, I then got a nest egg of funds to hold me over uh, for certainly not the two years I've been uh, dealing with this. But, uh, you know, that was nice. The fact that I already had a big thing just happen. The fact that I did have a little bit of a following, you know, I was fortunate enough mcdonald's helped me get a the blue check mark on twitter when i know so many cooler more interesting more famous people who just cannot get the little check and there are some advantages you know it doesn't mean you're credible or awesome but there are just some advantages of people seeing it and brands are more happy to work with you because you're verified stuff like that so there are certainly advantages i've had compared to somebody that's maybe not it did not work for a high profile company does not have a following and needs to start from square one where i was very much leveraging you know my career path and all the stuff i've been doing with social media up up until that well, and, and it sounds like from what you're saying that that's been a very intentional thing you've been doing like from the beginning of like of like i'm not just an employee like i am myself like 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 you know my my personal identity isn't tied to this job, but this job influence and impacts my, my personal brand, if you will, so that you can be ready when those moments come. Oh yeah. So many times they're like, Hey, do you want us to log in your account and we'll run? Nope. 
This is my personal. You you corporate of any kind? No, this is my yeah. stuff. So they're like, okay, which, uh, you know, and then I very much tried to, you know, reached out to the social team, reached out to my manager saying, I want to do more social media related stuff. Can we work that out at McDonald's? I Here's all the success. I had numbers. I had other departments supporting me. And they just said, nope. We are we are not interested. So we just don't see any of this stuff working or being popular. There's no value. Video gaming, tabletop RPG, really isn't in our radar. You know, there's questionable people. Esports is not going to be a big thing. I had Jeff Keeley in the office multiple times, like video game awards. Yeah. Let's do it. We did one small activation with him where I constantly apologized to him because of how McDonald's was just like last minute. Uh, we're going to do this instead. Okay, now we're just going to do this. Can you organize this for us? Okay, yeah. we'll. T- and just like, it was not a great activation sure. at all. But I did get to be on the red carpet and interview folks, which was a lot yeah. of fun. Um, so I got to do some fun stuff, but nobody saw it. Nobody cared because it was not executed right. So they gave it a college try, I guess. Uh, but that's kind of where I was also like, okay, I'm getting some success in the social realm as well. McDonald's doesn't want to play. If I'm at a smaller company, I could work with brands and do other internet stuff as a form of compensation as well. And then here we are. So, so you're, you know, running up on a uh, two years into this, essentially, how, how are you feeling? You know, kind of almost, almost two years in, how's it going? Um, my funds are not happy, but you know, I hear that. getting by. Uh, I am just fortunate once again to be in probably a, a little better scenario than a lot of people out there. So I'm just, I got to grind. Uh, I, I'm not the kind of person who, you know, I have horrible days all the time where it's like, I got to wait to get paid to pay this bill. But that's not the persona. I don't whine and complain really on the internet. Sure. I'm trying to be an example of a positive individual. Just like, it is what it is. What am I supposed to do? I can't, I can't fix it. You know, I can't change the past. We're not, uh, I'm not Loki. Uh, I'm not, uh, you know, there's no multiverse. I could just, so I got to do what I got to do. Right. So you got to do what you got to do. Um, I'm curious lately you've been doing, uh, I think you call it, um, like, is it nerd steak? Is that right? Like your, your Twitter yes. spaces thing. So I, as a podcaster and someone who is doing all these different kinds of content, I've been, you know, internally struggling with like, do I keep putting this out as a podcast? Is that worth the time? Is it, does it get more attention? If, is it easier if I do it as a Twitter space? Like there's all this different stuff. Where's the audience? Blah, blah, blah. So I'm curious what kind of brought you to the decision to start kind of doing these, uh, like hosted interviews and Twitter space things and how that's been going for you and kind of how that came about. Sure. So, uh, first, you know, I, everyone was on the clubhouse train and I did spend time in those rooms because it was hip and trendy and big time folks brand opportunities happen yeah. when they see, I, I'm much better when you turn the camera on and let me just, you know, yeah, sure. for a while. I, I could sell it versus just internet words and all that fun right. stuff. Um, but then once again, Twitter came out with their version of it and me being verified and having my biggest following on Twitter. I'm very much leveraging Twitter right now just to build my audience is the yeah. easiest platform for me to do that because of how information is shared and all this stuff. So then uh, I started to help with beta testing of spaces. So I would go in rooms. I was in a room with all Twitter executive and employees like early on. And they're just like, hey, come up and tell us about yourself. And they were like, what? 
what is an R&D chef? You did what? Rick and Morty. Like, they were just like, this yeah. is ridiculous that you are here. Um, one thing led to another. Then there's this Twitter Sparks program where I'm basically beta testing Twitter spaces uh, for compensation, which is fantastic because getting paid right now is utmost important right. for me. So something like this where I can actively be involved, test uh, provide feedback on this new platform that they're rolling out in Twitter, uh, as well as leverage that. Maybe they give boost in uh, viewership and all that stuff, but there's some internal things they're working on right now to uh, to maybe help with that. But um, the other strategy I've had this whole time is I don't foresee me becoming Mr. Beast or, you know, Nade Shot and Courage or whatever and becoming a huge internet celebrity. A lot of what I'm doing like my YouTube videos don't get a lot of views, but I need just more content of me out there for people to see. Right. Uh, I wanted experience starting from the beginning of how do I make a YouTube channel and make content? I went from just my cell phone with my kitchen's lighting to nothing expensive, but my old microphone stands with moving blankets to sound dampen little bit better lights. Right, right. I have a shtick. I bought the cheapest editing software on my phone for $3. That's about as much as I'm going to invest into the Chef Mike brand until somebody's like, you know what? You seem awesome. We want to invest in you to grow yeah. bigger. I could spend all that money and do it now. I mean, I don't really have the money to do that, but I could have. But ROI, do I need to spend $10,000 exactly. when I could spend $50 and it might not be as polished, but in pandemic world, everyone learned that content versus just the picture quality, like people are more accepting of just people getting it done. And so I tried to leverage that as well. Yeah, it seems like we're very much uh, in, in the content world at a place where where I think quality, you know, quality over quantity is, is always a generally good rule of thumb, but quantity over nothing, right? Like, like if you're not doing anything, it doesn't matter how, how, how high quality your nothing is. And it's not like the information I'm providing. So my YouTube channel specifically, there is some strategy of why I do things the way I do. So when I look at culinary stuff, teaching videos, cooking shows, they are already at a level above introductory. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I'm, you know, Gordon Ramsay, and he brings in professional chefs to work on these shows and that's not really teaching you anything. I'm trying to be more show you how it's done from if you are somebody who does not like cooking, who has no idea what to do, this is the kind of program for you. I don't necessarily go by recipes because that's a very difficult thing for people. to. Right. All right, we're going to make mashed potatoes today. You could boil them, steam them, roast them in the oven, then mash them. You could put cream, butter. You could use a hand mixer. You could use a stand blender. You could use a ricer. You could use a potato masher. Whatever you got, it doesn't matter. This is kind of what you're looking for. If it's really runny, add more potato. If it's really loose or if it's really uh, stiff, add more milk or butter. Like, it's that very relaxed, yeah, instructional yeah. environment. Like, And once again, going back to the not investing in anything, I make one thing and I'll burn it. And then I show you the burnt, like, ah, burnt it. There was an early one on, I was making like green bean casserole where I was going to make my own crispy leeks. Mm -hmm. And the leeks were just burnt and limp. And I was like, yeah, go to the store and get crispy onions to talk because I ain't got to do it. 
And my other shtick is an editor of me. Like I put words like the editor is talking to me performing. Like you said that yeah. wrong. That was incorrect. You actually meant September 27th, not 24th. Like, and I make fun of myself as the editor, Chef Mike. So that's a little fun thing that I do too. That and I like. you save yourself time of going back and reshooting things. <laughs> like it can just be a, yeah. I, I love that approach, like for the cooking instruction, because as somebody who loves to cook um, and early on, you know, kind of like learning and getting into that, like there was nothing more intimidating than a recipe because it was like, well, I don't have fresh tarragon. I only have dried tarragon. Guess I'm fucked. Like, or I, I don't have a potato masher. What do I do? And like, and that can sound silly, but when you're like trying to learn a new thing and you're trying to follow a list, like you have not been equipped to think outside of it. Um, and like cooking is, is way more like, like jazz, right? It's like, Oh well, man, you know, this time you threw some pepper in or this time you didn't have that. you know, at least for the fundamentals to learn, like once you realize you're making mashed potatoes and you know, the difference between super runny and super hard. Right. Okay. I seen it. I feel it. You know, I get it. Now, when you read the instructions, it says blend for X amount of minutes until smooth or whatever, you have a frame of reference because you did not before. Right. So you're just spitballing. This is, I think, what it says. I don't know. And there's so many variables. What Did you get the right potato? Is the large versus medium versus small? Did you get red? Did you get golden? Did you get some fancy fingerling? <laughs> Who knows what you did? So there's so many other variables that could mess your day up really good. Um, going all the way back to, to the, the R&D chef thing, I, I think, again, mo most people don't realize, most people, me included, think don't think about the thought process that went into most of the things we use on a daily basis. But I think especially not food, you know, like even everything down to like a lunchable, right? You're like, Oh, well, somebody said there should be ham and a cracker in here, but like, no, someone spent time and thought about this and said, and this is how we formulate the ham. So it's, you know, cost effective, blah, blah, blah. Can ham and cheese be in the same compartment for shelf life? Cause I know you don't want the cracker in there because that moist environment, somebody thought about it. Yeah. Really suck. Absolutely. The package is designed. I'm assuming there's gas flush stuff in there to extend shelf life. Like there's so many ridiculous things involved in even a Lunchable or a hot dog or a pizza roll, whatever you're eating. Was that was that a fun challenge for you? Because I think the impression that a lot of people have about chefs is that very kind of like, uh, you know, suck up like oh food you know i have a very very high opinion of myself and i only cook the finest <laughs> foie gras or whatever like like was that it was that a fun challenge trying to figure out like well this has to last in a cisco container for x amount of time before it can be put in front of a college student like my goal was to like make an impact so to do that working for the biggest restaurant in the world and serving more people than any than 100 of the top famous chefs you know times 10,000 their entire lifetime, I've served more people than them. The debate, of course, is the quality level versus the speed, the cost, and all sure. these things. But um, when it comes to R&D and food science, the product development process, whether you're developing a tabletop RPG, dice, a computer, food, a car, whatever, that process is actually somewhat similar. Blue sky ideation. What do I want to make and then why? Is there a market for it? What does the market look like? 
what do other food items like I'm making, other mac and cheeses that I'm that are out there, how are those made? Then you do tests. You want to make sure that it's repeatable, that it's made appropriately for food stuff. There's food safety and shelf life to make sure that it can last in whatever environment that it needs to be in. But that R&D product development does mean I can make the cheapest water-filled preservative flavor and colored food item for as cheap as possible that lasts a long time. But also, I have developed all-natural organic things for Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, specialty diets, whether it's paleo, whether you're celiac, whether you're vegan. So just because it's an R&D chef, somebody assumes it's a scientist where there are food science and food scientists. But those same people are also like, if you want completely all natural, no preservative, whatever, we're going to figure out how to get it to you. There may be some other tricks. It's got to be cooked. It's got to be filled in the container when it's hot. So sort of like jellies and jams and canning. It's got to be cooked in-house. Like, I've developed recipes for scratch kitchens. That's an R&D chef job as well. But how it's written, uh, food costs, ingredients, how they're sourced, how you train people, all that is involved in what I do as well. So I could make what some call Frankenfood, but I also can take those out and make it all natural. I love understanding who the customer is, what they want, and what the parameters are. And the hard part for a chef, especially a chef who transitions into the R&D food science world, does not matter what I think of the food thing that I'm making. I am not the customer. My data of one is insignificant, irrelevant, and does not matter. So I could say, I want my garlic sauce to melt my face because I love garlic. Well, 99% of the other people eating it don't want it that garlicky. So why would you use your personal preference when statistical data supports, that's a little much, turn it down. So that's a fun and challenging thing for that uh, R&D chef life as well. Is that is that what you're hoping to to move back towards? Are you are you hoping to stay in the content space? I mean, I know you said you're actively kind of like looking at like new full-time things. Like where's your where's your hope to end up? Here's the couple scenarios. So I have been interviewing for most of this time now. So of the first six months of the pandemic, nobody was hiring. And then every once in a while, you get stuff trickle in. But it's it's picked up a little bit. So I've been on interviews. I've reached out to brands. One of the things I am doing is I'm keeping all of my social media-related analytics info on my resume. My dream job is to work for a brand and do my R&B stuff that also realizes if you want to use me as an influencer also, there is so much fun to be had. You could send me to go do the fun stuff and represent the brand. And, you know, to me, that's the fun part of would be the fun part of the gig. As much as I love the cooking, developing, creating things, I like going out there and having fun in front of people and making people's day better. So being able to find that unicorn of a gig that either wants to use me in a social capacity or is like, you know, we I might work for a company that's more like industry, R&D, supplier or whatever that doesn't really need a public facing social media stuff. Cool. Can I still do my represent sticks golf clubs uh, off to the side? And if they support that as well, that would be awesome. Um, so that I could still do some of the fun content uh, stuff too. 
Well, fingers crossed for that dream coming true. Yeah, we're going to make it happen for sure. Total subject switch, uh, which is uh, uh, when you're when you're good at segues, I suppose you could come up with a way to do this cleanly, but I can't. So you said way back at the beginning that your dad was a big fan of The Hobbit um, and mine was yes. as well. Huge Lord of the Rings fan growing up. I have a first edition of the Silmarillion that uh, is wow. very precious to me because it, it was it was uh, something from my dad. But was that a pun? Did you say precious on purpose? You're, you're quick. Or? You're catching it. I appreciate that. Okay, just making sure. I grew up before I even read The Hobbit, um, which, by the way, I we read The Hobbit to my my daughter's three. She's about to turn four. And we read it to her this past year. And like, if you've never been able to share like a story like The Hobbit with a small child, find a way to do it. Like, it's really? truly magical. Um, and, and of course, now I have to do Gollum voices all the time. Because that's that's her favorite character. <laughs> of course. But uh, before I even read that, I I saw what is it the, like nineteen seventies, late seventies, the the Hobbit cartoon. Did you ever see that growing up? That is very much many times. There was the original Hobbit cartoon, and then I think there was only one Lord of yeah. the Rings cartoon, like a first part, which I have and have seen as well. But that uh, the other funny story about that is because my dad is kind of a folk hippie. Okay. So big on Gordon Lightfoot, yeah. who did all the music in that original Hobbit movie. If he didn't do it, it sounds just like Gordon Lightfoot, like uh, the, uh, Edmund Fitzgerald, like this old folky stuff. So the whole movie has that music in it, which is amazing. Yeah, it's 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 just uh, I mean, it's a funky trip. And like for me, that is like will always be what I picture first when I think of The Hobbit, just because it was my it was me my first well. experience. And we watched it way too many times. Yep, Same. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, just and, and I love um, I don't know if we're going to have stuff like this is going to be such like an old man shouting at the clouds kind of thing. But I don't know if like we're going to have that stuff going forward because every bit of like like licensed content now is so like produced and, you know, done and completed. You don't have these like quirky uh really you know funky animation thing that was like made for tv and who knows what will happen um i think maybe we i mean we could be in the middle of it because you know like the popularity of lord of the rings not that it wasn't popular back in the day and like when we saw the animated film but once the movies came out it very much exploded so it's possible that when Critical Role airs their Amazon Prime show soon Fair. and everybody loves it and it's 14 seasons full of it and there's now a, a live action movie of it. It's a huge Marvel franchise. We could be like, oh, I used to listen to that season one podcast on my headphones right. on the way to work on the train going to McDonald's. Uh, and now it's a whole sellout, you know, is Matthew Mercer even involved anymore? You know, have all of those right, right. ridiculous, maybe we're in the middle, in the beginning of another story. So, may, so maybe internet content is the new version of like the, you know, the, the funky made for TV cartoons. Uh, I love that idea. That's great. We're going to be looking back and be like, well, I watched the TikTok when it first came out uh, before it was a major metaverse production. Yeah. Absolutely. So like, I remember Vine. So Dude. like, that was a original like i had a zune before the ipod okay but real so, talk the zune was one of the greatest music device i loved my zune it, it was significantly it was brown and see-through and the <laughs> software was great like i would that was hardcore for it i used to have to download my songs uh in four hour blocks off a of napster okay so i don't want to hear about your google fiber 
deal, okay? I had to dial it up. Ma- so. Don't pick up the phone, Mama. No! No! Chumbawamba's not going to download right. Oh, my ah. God. Uh, internet content, man. Early. Were you a... Were you a I, I feel like I saw you tweet something. Were you a strong bad guy? Were you a Homestar Runner? Yeah, I, I did like strong bad Homestar Runner. I was... Because of my age and being in bands, when I graduated college, well, I was in college when my school got the Facebook, where you had to have a college ID. Yeah, Yeah, that was the only way you could be on Facebook. So I started when it just started. But MySpace was the big deal back then. And being in a band, that was a good way to promote your band. And so I was big on MySpace early on. Um, So all that internet stuff, strong, bad stuff, like... I do remember going to my friend's house and seeing, like, who's John Knoxville in, like, backyard? Why are they in a shopping? Oh, like, right. the Wild West of the Internet. Right. Cra- crazy times. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I hesitate to use the word influencer, but you've been doing the social media personality thing just because some people don't like the word influencer, right? And who even uh, knows what it means? But right. have, have you had any more of those like, oh, my God, I can't believe I got to work on this project or work with these people or like that was such a cool experience as you've been doing this? I, I started getting some random ones. So uh, are you familiar with House Party? No. So Riot okay. put out there during the pandemic their video conference fun Zoom thing. Okay. All right. So early on. Somebody from Riot, because I talked about video games, hey, we're doing this thing. Do you want to provide content to help promote our new thing? Absolutely. Got a bunch of money, made content uh, two months, three months ago. They're like, it is done. So, like, I've participated, tried to help grow, and things have left this universe, and I still got paid for it. Like, I've been in that life cycle now, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, Some of the brands I've reached out to, like, Weber Grills. They sent me a whole grill and was like, make content with this and and whatnot. Excellent. Uh, I really got into golf for whatever reason during the pandemic. I think it's because I could go play not around anybody and it was good to distance. The ultimate social distancing, golf. Yes. So I started just obsession with golf because I very much go 100% into any hobby out of the gate. So like Dungeons and Dragons, the amount of minis I have downstairs and terrain and is way too the amount of dice we all know dice goblins life um but i started getting into golf love golf talk about it all the time i was like golf brands i love golf hook it up so then i started reaching out to oh there's all these new like affordable club manufacturers oh there's a local one i'll reach out to them and see if they want to do whatever yeah i got the blue check mark on twitter so like i'm kind of a big deal and worked out oh cool here's a set of golf clubs and you could spot we'll sponsor you and do all this stuff i'm like you know i'm horrible i am not i am like shooting a hundred that's bad that's not that's okay our clubs are for new golfers you're a perfect demographic okay so being sponsored by sticks golf uh and not being good at the thing being able to make money because I just love the thing while not being good at the thing is magical. And that makes me so happy to just, I was going to do all of this anyway, but now you're going to give me money and clubs to do what I was already good. Yes. I will sign. I will sign the contract. Yes, please. 
I've uh, I've been doing photography for over a decade now. And I remember early on um, at some convention or conference or you remember that those things we used to do where people would gather in spaces together. Um, Like what's what do you think is is um, what is it? Con crud. What is the illness everyone used to get going to? Conventions? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't remember what the term was, but yeah, where everyone just be. Oh, you know, we spend a lot of time or Pax Pox yeah, if you go to yeah. Pax events. Yeah. yeah. All that stuff. Now everybody knows how germs spread. Yeah. So oh, uh, that's why it happens. Masks. Um, right. Huh. I remember being in one early on where, uh, one of the instructors and it was specifically about like, like photography sales and like, you know, actually booking clients and whatnot. And I don't remember what the data for their stat was, but it was like, um, it was something like on average, it takes eight tries, eight points of contact before you get a yes from a company or a brand. Uh, and that's like always stuck with me, especially as I've like worked with other people who are in content or I do um, a lot of marketing for my full-time job. And like hearing people are like, oh, well, I reached out to so-and-so and I never heard back. So I guess I'm going to check that off. I'm like, no, 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 you, you got to like, you got to spread the net wide and then you have to keep throwing it. Like, have you found that? Have you found that to be true? Cause you're talking about reaching out to a lot of brands. Have you found that to be true where you're like, I got to keep going. And then finally they say, yes, I'm going to give you my strategies. My strategies are the, this is free for every, all the listeners too often. You're like, Nate shot. I want to be on hundred thieves. Mr. Beast, put me in a video. Whoever, there is no good reason you should be reaching out to the big dog who you should be reaching out to and following and engaging with our brand managers, social media managers, the people that are closest to the info and actively managing and doing the things. Because when you're on their radar, as opposed to big famous person, that is when the opportunities uh, arise. So I go on LinkedIn and I don't try to find famous people. I go to the brands that I love, look down the list and say, okay, here's content manager for XYZ brand. Here's social media manager for XYZ brand. Maybe they have a presence on social media as well. So then I could follow them on Twitter and make sure that I not only follow the brand page, but I follow them so that when they post something cool, I could be like, oh, dude, that was awesome. Um, person who runs the Skittles account. Then I find out who that person is and we're friends on social media. Then I'm like, Skittles, I'll totally wear some swag. Skittle then sends me swag because I'm friends with the person, right. not the brand and not the show pony. Yeah. Right. You fi- go to reach after night media. Don't reach out to um, Mr. Beast. Yeah. That's a strategy. So when I reach out to people, brands, as much as I engage in like a brand page, I find out who's doing the work, who are making decisions and try to reach out for them. LinkedIn, surprisingly, has been a great resource for deals and whatnot. So everyone could be hating on LinkedIn, but you get you get it done right. You, you've got some connections there for sure. Well, it all comes back to intentionality, right? Like versus just saying, I'm going to tag like, Oh, Matt Mercer, wouldn't it be cool to put me in a game? And, and like you said, there's no yeah, one. Let me be a he's guest. He's probably not the one making those decisions because he's busy with all the other stuff he does. You need Rachel Romero. You need Ben Vandersloot. You need our, my metal loving, uh, what's his name? He does their social media stuff. Oh, Chris Lockie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You need, you got to befriend those people because they are the ones that are, you know, helping move the pieces along. That's what you want yeah, to Yeah, and so it's so easy to go like, oh, I want to be somewhere I'm just going to like tag and, and try that versus taking an intentional strategic approach. Right, and don't just cold, I want to work with your brand. You, like, befriend these people. Realize that they will give you 
the resources to, you will find out what they are looking for just by how they post, how they talk, that kind of stuff. Um, Lee from Nerdist. I'm just waiting for me to drop big news, nerdy news about stuff because Lee and I have connected on Twitter and he's super awesome. And I found some personal things out about him just because you follow somebody so long, you see what they talk right, about right. and what they post about. So I have that connection now. So when something cool comes up and finally Nerdist is like, yeah, you know what? This is newsworthy. Lee is going to be like, oh, we love Chef Mike. We're going to, this right, is going to be awesome. Right. And the stars align. So it's a lot of prepping. It is a game of chess of just waiting for the right opportunity as well. Don't just go in there and say you're the best and I have all the answers. I'm like, yeah, I will right now go be a guest on Critical Role. But the first thing I would do is tell the brand that's organizing this or sending me, you do not get any creative control whatsoever. And if they decide they don't want to use me, that's it. You do not influence the game. Because I know how stupid it would be for a big brand to pay for me to go on a thing and I got to do my ad read. That's not how it works either. So be genuine, be real, make friends with these people, learn from them so that when the opportunity comes, your foot's already in the door. Totally. That's a long, that's a long story to get to my final, my final point there. But we got it. It was a good we story, got though. It. It's, it's not always about the destination. It's about the journey. And sometimes the journey and destination are equally good. So I feel like we nailed that there. I'm drinking out of my Dungeons & Dragons uh, insulated cup that they sent me. Yeah, that, that's, that's the current like that's the current like gold thing that everyone uh, in the tabletop community is like. It's like, how do I get on those D&D? Want the box. They want that D&D yep. box. Give me the box. I got that hoodie. That hooded that robe thing. There's a big, oh, it's glorious. So warm. I should, I should email Greg Tito right now and be like, where is my box? But uh, you, you don't, you're not on the I'm list. Not, I'm not how are list. you not on the I'm, list? You know, that's unbelievable. I'm, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not that, I'm not that blue check mark, bro. Oh, here we go. I'll see if I can talk to, I'll talk to my, my handlers, which is my wife and she's not gonna. No, I think a big part of that too is like being on Dragon Talk or doing community, you know, content with them. Like that makes total sense. You know, it's, it's whatever. Someday you got to have goals to, to strive for. Maybe you'll get the chef Mike bump and this will skyrocket. I'm just kidding. Cause I'm not big and famous. That's not, but it could be, it could be. Yeah. Deborah and wall. First of all, can we talk about how awesome Deborah is? She's one of the most uh, fantastic people I've ever met, like straight up. She seems high energy as well. 110% all the time? Or did you... Very. Was it like a good... Very chill. Very, very chill. Especially conversationally. Like, uh, we'll we'll talk about this in a few minutes, but we do this bonus segment on my show um, for my Patreon supporters. And her thing, and I never know what people are going to bring up, um, but her thing that she was into that she wanted to talk about was she does historic sewing. So she like goes back and uses like historic, you know, colonial methods of like, of like making clothing or, or you know, doing like, and yeah, and it was just this very like, like passionate, but not like overly energetic, just like, no, this is a thing she's really into and passionate about. And, and so, yeah, like you might see a performer and be like, oh, they're high energy. But then when you get them in a conversation, they're very low key, sometimes very chill. So, so Deb was like that. Okay. And uh, okay. yeah, that was great. Cause I got to play in a, a game with her. Um, she's been on my show. We've interacted a few other times on other things. So. Yeah, that was super cool. Maybe because once again, I do the thing you're not supposed to do. And I'm like, I envision her in Daredevil. And I'm like, that's not a real life right, scenario. Right. Or when she's DMing a game and is, you know, yeah. describing what's happening. Like, I could, you know, there's varying degrees of uh, humans out there. So I shouldn't just impose. Oh, they got to be high energy because I only see them in high energy 
stuff. But then some people are like that or some people play like the kind of more slow, quiet, lethargic person. And then the actor themselves are like, you know, super intense. So, so you never know. That's why, that's why there are other actors. They're good actors. Interesting. Let's, let's land on this one thing. Cause you've talked about the dream job. We've talked about brand gigs. Is there a dream brand gig? Like you'd love to work with this brand doing this kind of activation or making this kind of content, or is it just, you love doing it all and you're looking for, for the opportunities. I mean, everyone who plays tabletop RPGs dream is to get paid to play the game on a regular basis. If that was to ever happen, if I ever had the opportunity to play Dungeons and Dragons as a way of earning compensation, it would blow my mind. Because as I talked about before, it's trying to get paid to do the things that I love. All right. So when... You're going to do the thing anyway, and somebody says, you know what, that's valuable, you're a good representation of somebody who loves the game, whatever it may be, to me that blows my mind. So if I ever get to like, for whatever reason, you know what, we want you to be a regular on this D&D show, or tabletop RPG show, or whatever, I'd be, I'd be very happy. Oh yeah. For sure. Yeah, I've been doing a stream game now for about eight months, which I which I do get paid for. I'm not paying huge bills with it, but I'm I'm making I'm right, making a, right. I'm making a little a little chunk, which is which is very nice. I'm also very forthcoming to my audience when I'm like, yeah, I have a G Fuel code, which is ridiculous. Right. I I'm trying to get paid, so please do the thing. That's how this all works. Exactly. I'm very open because there are you know some who don't like to talk about which it. Strange. Some. Yeah, some viewers who are like, I feel like you're trying to make money off me. I'm like, I'm not trying to make money off you. Chef Mike is trying to make money to be on the internet and do the things. Right. So it's not you, but go buy some golf clubs. Go buy some golf clubs. All right, get out there. Yeah. So what we need to do is get you on like G4, right? There needs to be like, they have that oh. awesome new D&D show. There needs to be some sort of awesome food centric. There's got to be something there, right? Well, I've played D&D with B-Dave, all right, a couple times. Uh, I've been in content with Fiona uh, with uh, Rooster yep. Teeth. I have, you know, early on because of McDonald's stuff, became kind of a, I was a super fan of them anyway, but I got invited over there and then regularly I'm in content uh, with them. Not super regularly. Um, let's see. Iffy, uh, yep. I talk to him on the internet all the time. He has beautiful thighs. I saw I, I, I saw it out there. your exchange about the thighs the other day. The other thing I love about my social media stuff is a lot of time I'm super dry with my like responses yeah. and what I post. But in real life I'm like this is hilarious because I'm not I don't act like this. Right. I wouldn't just say like, "Yep." Like, no, I would be like, "This is awesome." Yeah. And then I'm just like it is an alter ego when you see read what I type on the internet. Right. I just think it's once again it's just for me. It's really funny, but I continually talk about Iffy being an attractive individual with beautiful thigh meat. Um, you know, I'm I'm married and all that, but I just like supporting good-looking humans. You could you could tell people that they look good. If if his thighs like to support a good-looking human, right? If his thighs thighs have muscles that are right. impressive. His thighs have thighs, and it's uh, it's beautiful. If, if he is going to be on the show soon, we're trying to nail that down. But he will, uh, he will also be nice. Like yeah, awesome. We'll talk about his thighs, I'm sure, or not. Uh, Please do. They'll probably rip through his pants and just be on camera, no matter that constant incredible Hulk problem, right? 
Right. When he sits down, he probably is like squeezing his stomach so much from his massive thigh muscle that it's just like, oh, I can't bend. Ugh. Uh, this is this is the kind of uh, content you can expect from, a, and unfortunately, <laughs> a, a podcast is an audio medium, so we'll have to figure out a way to really kind of highlight that. Maybe some bonus content. Oh, I should have described me hunching over a little. Yeah, more. <laughs> I was making a, a weird face, hunched over, like my thigh meat was pressing on my. It, it was it was truly it was, it was a an acting moment of the highest order. It was fantastic. Yep. But uh, speaking of bonus content, as we said earlier, if you are a supporter of the show at patreon.com slash roll for persuasion, you get access to the bonus zone of truth segment where I chat with my guests longer. So if you enjoy this conversation, you want to hear more, uh, sign up for that at patreon.com slash roll for persuasion. Usually if can I can I do a oh, teaser? Tease it. Go go for it. What are we talking about? I've said this story before, but I think it was somebody else's bonus content as well. It was a long time ago. I'm going to tell you about how I got inducted into a biker gang. Okay. And almost died the same day. See, this is the kind of, you don't get this kind of content somewhere else. I, I don't care if you support uh, true, 100% NPR's, true NPR's news. They're not going to talk about this kind of hard hitting behind the scenes information. So uh, to find out, I'm very curious as a Sons of Anarchy fan. I, you know, like, tell me, oh, tell me I more. was in their land. Let's put yeah. it that way. I was I was associating with those. Types. So that's what we're going to be talking about. It was and, awesome. Uh, and in this week's zone of truth, we're going to be getting into biker gangs and near death experiences. So if you feel like supporting that and getting access to all the extra content, we mentioned uh, Debbie and Wool's um, bit and uh, Satine Phoenix and Adam Bradford and Todd Kendrick and, you know, all the beautiful, wonderful people who've been on the show. I'm so happy to know, like, I don't know them personally, but all the names you say, I'm like, oh, I follow them. Watch their stuff. Wonderful people. That's amazing. Satine's, I believe, getting married soon to that gentleman who is, once again, jacked and attractive humans. An uncomfortably beautiful person. (laughs) Yes. He is aesthetically pleasing human, for (laughs) sure. You can, but yeah, you can get access to all that content at patreon.com slash roll for persuasion. I appreciate the support, of course, and I hope that you enjoy the additional content. Mike, this has been awesome. I'm excited to hear, hear the story. Um, for yes. people uh, who want to find you on the internet, check out your content, YouTube, see what you're doing online. Where can they find you? YouTube, it's called Chef Mike Does Stuff, and it is very approachable, mainly cooking, but there's also a variety of content that I may post there. And then on all the social medias, you can just search me. My name is spelled just like it sounds, H-A-R-A-C-Z, Harris, Mike Harris, H-A-R-A-C-Z. What's the one you get most frequently? Are people like Harax? Harax, Harax, and if they're Polish, they say Harach. Like, that's the Polish yeah. pronunciation, which in Poland, it's the money a establishment might pay for protection of their establishment. I feel like this will lead us nicely into the bike gang. Uh, yeah. Thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was faded. Like, you pay, like, the mob. Yeah. When the mob comes, it's like, give us a little under the table. Right, right. We'll we won't burn alone. your place down. Yeah. That is what a Harris is. Yeah. That's a there Harris. you go. And of course, uh, all those links will be in the show notes. So just tap on there, scroll down and find Mike on there. Dude, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on. We'll, uh, we'll find a way to roll some dice or, or something one of these yes. days. You're in a, I, I don't think I'm doxing you because it's on your, it's on your Twitter. You're in Illinois, right? Yes. I'm in the Northwest suburbs of Chicago. So are you connected with Smuggler's Coffee at all? Uh, I have had Smuggler's Coffee. I'm not associated with them, sure. but 
I'm just saying, and, and I, 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 like I, I tell us because they uh, are the sponsor for the Zone of Truth segment. But uh, they, oh. if you're not familiar, they barrel roast a lot of their, or barrel age a lot of their coffee before they roast it. So they have a facility in Chicago that is full of bourbon barrels filled with coffee beans where they play D&D, um, which to me sounds like the most wonderful smelling room <sighs> in all of the world. Oh so it might be worth making that connection, just just going down just to smell the, the barrel yes. room. Yeah. Oh, yes. exactly. You should check that out. Love it. I'm going to now. And you 100% sure. should. Um, but again, thank you so much for joining. It was fun. I'm excited to keep talking. Uh, thank you to everyone listening to the show. As always, please do all the normal podcast stuff of liking, subscribing, sharing, reviewing somewhere. Look, I get the podcast discovery is difficult for some weird reason. We've been doing podcasts for like almost 20 years now. Somebody should have figured it out, but they haven't. So it helps me if you go onto the Apple Podcasts or Google Play Podcasts and uh, leave a little review if you enjoyed the show or share it with a friend, tweet it out, do whatever you might like. I would sure appreciate it. You can also follow the show at Roll Persuasion on Twitter to see my daily Wordle scores, um, which are just peak <laughs> content. So, uh, so get all that and more at, uh, at Roll Persuasion on Twitter. And until next time, y'all, enjoy your games. Enjoy.